Hi, this is Bob Bostock, and welcome to Discover DEP, the official podcast of the New Jersey Department of Environmental Protection. Each week, we talk with DEP experts about how we protect and preserve New Jersey's air, water, land, and natural and historic resources. So that you'll never miss one of our podcasts, please subscribe to Discover DEP on iTunes or Google Play. You can also follow DEP on the web at nj.gov DEP. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy our podcast. Hi, this is Bob Bostock, and welcome to another edition of Discover DEP. Today we are joined by Rich Bornazian, Assistant Commissioner of Natural and Historic Resources. The Natural and Historic Resources Group is charged with preserving and protecting New Jersey's natural, ecological, and cultural resources, including our state parks and forests, our state fish and wildlife management areas, and our state historic sites. All of these are highly valued by our residents and the many visitors to the Garden State who come to see all of the beautiful things we have to offer here in New Jersey. So from the mountains at High Point all the way down to the beaches, to our woodlands and rivers, battlefields and open spaces, the professionals at NHR are there to promote the responsible use of these special areas and to safeguard them for this and for future generations. Rich, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, it's great to be here. Rich, I have often heard you say that you have the best job at DEP. What makes you think that? Why do you say that? So I'm going to go back to really the beginning when the commissioner recruited me. And he he got me after a few tries by saying we can make historic changes to the way government operates in New Jersey. So he also said something like we might be the only two MBAs in the building. So that really hit home. And then at one point, both of us met with the governor. And the governor's agenda sort of surprised me. And he said, do the right thing on a daily basis. So you put that together with the commissioner's transformation agenda and the governor saying, just do the right thing, regardless of party. And that's an agenda and that's a sort of direction that I could live with. So so why is it the best job after that recruiting? I just recently reread all the missions of, of the major divisions that report to me. And they all talk about preserving, protecting, our natural environment, the historic and scenic and recreational resources for public use. That's the Green Acres one. Parks and Forestry talks about excellent stewardship and the benefit for present and future generations. Even Park Police protect the natural and historic treasures of our state. And you go through SHPO, the State Historic Preservation Office, and the Division of Fish and Wildlife for the protection and the wise use of New Jersey's resources. First, we have the best missions, maybe in the state. Second, and I say this with the deepest conviction, I have the best people in the state executing on those missions on a daily basis. So that makes me incredibly honored that I oversee, I think, the best state workers, the best state mission that we have to offer. The job you do is really, and probably at its essence, really about stewardship. Because all of these resources that we have, our natural and historic resources, have been passed down to us by the generations that came before us. And it's our responsibility to pass them on to the generations that will follow in at least the same condition and often in better condition. Yeah. So it's it's a real stewardship job at its essence, isn't it? Our departments uh, really predate DEP. Forest Fire Service has been here since 1906, I think. We have documents in the 1800s. 
that talk about fish and wildlife in little different terms. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the stewardship piece is, is critically important. We need to leave this state better than when we found it. And that's especially challenging, I think, in New Jersey, where we are one of the smallest states in the union yeah. and, and the most densely populated. So there's a lot of competition for our open space and from pressures from development and everything else. And of course, there's also that argument that constantly occurs and, and occurs nationally as well. You know, why do we have the open space? Do we preserve it just for the sake of preserving it? Or should we preserve it in a way that people can also use it and take advantage of it and enjoy it? So how do you balance all of the different competing interests there are that come under the uh, Natural and Historic Resources Group? So I have a few great anecdotes about balancing, and it, it really goes throughout my job. So I have tree huggers that work for me. You would think that the Green Acres people are mostly tree huggers. They're out buying land. They want to protect our forest. They want it there for future generations. And then I have foresters that work for me that like to cut down trees. Now, we cut down trees for lots of reasons. We are in a managed forest state. It's not like the West where you can just let it burn and whatever happens naturally happens. No, when you're in the most populated state in the Union, you need to help manage things. So that there's just a, a balance. The commercial fishermen don't get along with the recreational fishermen. The rod and reel fishermen don't even get along with the fly fishermen. So we grow 600,000 trout at Pequest on an annual basis so we can fish them. We grow pheasants, some 50,000, 60,000 birds a year. Uh, and then we also sell stamps where we can hunt them. So there's all kinds of balancing acts there. So in between my divisions that work for me, there's, there's balancing acts and, and with our stakeholders. It's challenging. I don't live by, you know, if if everybody's a little bit unhappy, you've done the right balancing job. No, there, there's a better mix than that. So what do you think that better mix is? Oh, it's, it's, it's the daily challenge of, of the job. You can satisfy both sides to some degree. Yeah, there might be some disappointment. One of the things I like about this administration, by the way, is that we were willing to take on fights that have been kicked down the road really for decades. And, and one of the ones that comes to mind for me is the artificial reef program where you get federal funding for recreational fishing on reefs, but the commercial guys had historic rights to those fishing grounds and the can just kept getting kicked down the road. And this administration, this commissioner is willing to take on the fight and figure a solution and, and come some compromise on both sides where we made part of the reef recreational. We made the historic part for commercial and, and it took three or four years, but we found the solution. So it's one of the things I'm proud of is that we haven't shied away from sort of the tough issues. That's just one of them that faced us during this administration. And that's one of the challenges. You know, in a lot of ways, all the easy problems are taken care of before you got here. But those ones that remain that are more difficult and take more work and more talking and more listening to solve have kind of were kind of left. And I think the, the time and effort that goes into solving some of these problems, as you mentioned, can be several years. But at the end, you get everybody together at a place where everybody can live with it and, in fact, thrive under the under the rules. The reef is a great example. We talked to Peter Clark about the yep. artificial reef program on an earlier podcast, and he told us just how successful it has been, not only for our anglers, both commercial and recreational, but also just in terms of increasing the biodiversity off our coast. Plus, I don't know if Peter mentioned this, we're, we're going to have our first Delaware Bay Reef on the Jersey side. We're just starting to put material on it last week, I think. Yeah, that's great. So the, that's just one example of the programs that have been 
really, really successful. So as you look back on your tenure here, and you've been here almost the entire eight years. Yep. What do you hold up as kind of the accomplishments you're most pleased to have achieved? And it is plural. Each division, I'm happy to say that I've had some influence over and, and set some directions that weren't there before. And the Green Acres program, we wrote a strategic plan, a 30-year plan. Earlier, you mentioned about the balance and, and preserving land and what's the right number. New Jersey is supposed to be the, full, the most fully developed state some estimates around 2050, 2060. What's the right number of preserved space? Is it a five-minute walk from every residence? Is it all the parks have to be interconnected? And we took a stab at it. And the number we came up with is somewhere around 42%. I don't know that we'll ever get there. But we put together a 30-year plan. Parks and forestry. Our goal under the governor's sustainability initiative was to get one-third of our operating costs from fees, essentially. We're leaving a lot of money on the table, to be quite honest. Uh, and we achieved that. We increased revenue to the state from about seven million to about thirteen and a half million in just four or five years. That's huge, and and that's without raising fees. Mm. That's just getting the fees that we were entitled to. Forest fire is amazing. It does an amazing job. A lot of states don't have a dedicated forest fire service. We are fortunate enough to have one with an aviation component built in. They build their own trucks. We save almost $100,000 per engine that we deploy. For the first time ever, we have a burn plan. Uh, I looked around at our staffing in forest fire, and half of our section fire wardens uh, could retire in the next three to five years. Well, there's a lot of institutional knowledge ready to walk out that door. Mm -hmm. So for the first time, we've GIS every fire that's happened in New Jersey since the early 1900s, and we have a prescribed burning plan that we've never had before, that's always been in somebody's head, but we have a prescribed burning plan for the entire state, for the 800,000 of forested acres that we're responsible for. Actually, we're responsible for 1.9 million acres on state lands. It's about 800,000 of forested lands. And our forest firefighters are so well-trained and equipped that they're often borrowed by states out west that are confronting wildfires that they don't have the capacity themselves to control. Yeah, so we, we do have a busy season for fires, and it, typically the western fires are not during our busy season. So we gain a lot of experience, but we also give a lot. Um, our guys are out there doing incident management, aircraft operations, and boots on the ground. And we get letters all the time of how great our guys are out in the field. Fish and Wildlife... 125th anniversary this year. 125th anniversary, uh, 122 wildlife management areas that we manage. Some 350,000, we hit our 350,000th acre this year. Again, a balancing act. What are, are you protecting for a species or are you allowing hunting on a certain things? And if, if you ever fly over the area, you'll see these patches, um, maybe 100 by 200 and like, well, what's that rectangle doing there? Well, we're trying to save the grouse, or we're trying to attract this bird, or we need early successional forest for this species. So again, a diverse set of responsibilities. Uh, on the marine side, huge accomplishment, where we have the aquaculture development zone. And during this, this period that we've been here, the red knot was listed. So we had to come up with a biological assessment and get the feds to turn that into a biological opinion of how we can protect the birds and still have an oyster industry. So a huge accomplishment there. And Green Acres does just a fabulous job. Particularly with urban parks. We've done, you've done a lot with providing funds to acquire open space in urban areas. Yeah, so I'm not a political science person, but one of, one of my f 
two, I have two favorite projects in the urban areas. One is the Harrison Avenue landfill that we're just ready to, to start. That'll open up one mile of shoreline along the Delaware River where today PCBs and mercury are leaching in into the river. So my second favorite project in, in, in this area is the Newark waterfront right across from Red Bull Stadium. Right now there's about 900 foot of boardwalk uh, and public open space. We're going to extend that to all the way to NJ Pack. I, I think this this could not revolutionize the city, but really open up that part of the city to the public. We have at least a 40-foot easement all the way up into the center of, of town. I think it'll stretch about two and a half miles. In fact, the commissioner is going to go there in about two or three weeks to open up the next mile of, of that boardwalk right on the waterfront. I think it'll be fantastic. And those two projects you mentioned, they're so important because anybody who's studied history at all knows that great cities have always risen on waterways, on rivers. And, exactly. you know, because of the nature of the development in the 19th and the first part of the 20th century, the residential parts of these cities were being totally disconnected from the river. And uh, I think we are seeing already with those projects and others that are taking place, we're doing some work in Perth Amboy and other places, getting people connected back to the waterways in their cities makes a huge difference in the quality of life and, and just the overall attractiveness of the city that has a multiplying effect, I think, as you go throughout the, the area. So total opposite to that is I just went to a playground opening at the Lafayette Street Elementary School where there's no green space in the ironbound community of Newark. And they took essentially what was a playground that turned into a parking lot was decrepit. And this also gives me the opportunity to talk about our partnerships with nonprofits. In this case, it was Trust for Public Land just transformed this total dead space into a playground with a little bit of astroturf, with a basketball court, with paintings on the wall of the school uh, mascot, which is a falcon. Just transformed that that little block where there's no green space, gave the kids of this elementary school, uh, the longest elementary school in, in Newark, a place to play for the kids. Yeah. It, it was So while we love the water... We, we can't forget about those inner city spaces. No, absolutely, because, you know, particularly in schools, elementary schools, you know, kids are restless enough, and if there's no place for them to get out and unloose a little bit of their energy, it makes it tougher on learning and tougher on the teachers and tougher on the students. Couldn't so, agree more. So, yeah. the, so sort of in summary, there's accomplishments in every one of our divisions, and I couldn't be prouder to be here. As you look towards the years ahead in natural and historic resources, are there things that are left undone that you hope will get accomplished in the coming years? Sure. We have a few sort of oars in the water, if you will, uh, on some projects. And, and in fact, I'm telling people, you need to invite me back when this is completed. One of them is at Liberty State Park. Mm. Uh, my first visit to Liberty State Park, I saw these fences around these areas. And when asked, it's a chromium site. It's under some court settlement that you have to do certain things. Well, we finally have cobbled enough funds together from different sources where somewhere in the future we'll be able to allocate the money now and essentially restore 225 acres that are contaminated today. They've been capped. We'll put in a promenade, lighted area, a view of, of Liberty and Statue Islands. That will almost double the landmass of Liberty State Park, our most popular park, 3-point-some million visitors a year. That's a huge thing. I want to be there for that opening. Mm. 
So, Rich, tell us a little bit about your background. You mentioned in the beginning that you and the commissioner may be the only two people at DEP with master's in business administration. So what was your background before you came to DEP and headed up natural and historic resources? So it's really an entrepreneurial backstory. I grew up in a family business, worked in small and medium-sized businesses, never thought I would graduate college, but had the opportunity to go back after some years in the workplace. So... I went to Drexel University, so that was a pretty big accomplishment, and then ended up working in all kinds of different industries, from aerospace, Denver Aerospace and Martin Marietta, to manufacturing, to the largest real estate company in the uh, mid-Atlantic states. My background is mostly technology, but when you do technology, and if you're good at it, you've got to get into the business processes over and over again. And where I've been successful is aligning the IT goals with the business goals. So I've written corporate revenue systems, or at least led those kind of projects. I'm relatively good at managing 100 balls in the air all at once. So in some ways, while on paper not necessarily qualified for this job, we have hundreds of projects ongoing in natural and historic resources at any given moment. The commissioner might one day ask me about what this maintenance worker is doing about painting a building. And then it goes from that to... Are Menhaden going to survive the next hundred years if we fish it at this level? So the job is so varied, it actually fits my management style, sort of project program management, where I like having a hundred balls in the air. So really a entrepreneurial, small, medium size, well, big aerospace company, then small, medium sized businesses, and then led to senior management. And you certainly have uh, on your staff across all of the divisions some remarkably talented scientists, biologists, wildlife experts, et cetera, you know, who you can draw on for all of all of the biological information you need and, and forestry and everything else as well. So it's a, it's a staff with an enormous amount of talent. Yeah, and all different, which really makes it challenging and makes it fun and it makes it a little conflict resolution uh, challenges uh, on a daily basis. You know, I didn't mention forestry before. We manage thousands of acres of forestry. We got forest stewardship rules approved after maybe an eight-year try to get this done. We're doing a much better job uh, under this administration just with forest stewardship management. It's a huge task in the state. So despite being the most densely populated state in the union, it's worth noting that we've got 40 different state parks, at least one in every county, hundreds of thousands of acres of wildlife management areas, Lots of places where you can go and think, you know, am I still in New Jersey? But that's the beauty of this state. We have such a variety in terms of our environment, in terms of the geography of it, in terms of the the types of land we have, you know, all the way from up at High Point, as I said, down to the coastal plain. It's a very diverse state, not only in terms of our population, and we're probably one of the most diverse states in the country, but also just in terms of the natural habitat and the natural lands and the historic places we have here in this state. It's important to remember, I think, that more battles of the American Revolution were fought in New Jersey than in any other state. The beginning of the country and the turning point in the revolution happened right here in New Jersey, just a couple of miles from where we're sitting right now in Trenton. So let me make this point. I grew up in Philadelphia area, and we typically went south when we recreated. So I was very familiar with the shore areas from Atlantic City south. Um, and for someone growing up in Philadelphia, Trenton was North Jersey. That's as far north as New Jersey went. So 
it's been enlightening living here and getting into the real northern counties besides a pathway to New York City mm -hmm. to see how diverse the state is and, and just the amazing resources we have and, and the amazing stuff we can provide to the public. Yeah, it's, it's a great treasure that we have here in New Jersey that we appreciate and uh, we value and we certainly all appreciate the work that you and the folks in the Division of Natural and Historic Resources do to make sure that these incredible gifts really that have been given to us by our forebears are there for our children and grandchildren and their children and grandchildren for many, many decades to come because it's part of what makes, it's a big part of what makes New Jersey such a unique and special place yep. here in our, in our great country. So, Rich, I thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. You know, whenever you see Rich, you never know what shirt he's going to be wearing because he's got so many divisions and shirts with different logos on it. Today he's in a, in a business uh, attire. He must have had a meeting or something, but you're as likely to run into him wearing a, a forest fire shirt or a fish and wildlife shirt or any number. He's got quite a collection of uh, great polo shirts that show the broad diversity of work that goes on in uh, natural and historic resources. So really I love our it. brands. Yes, you've got great brands and you're good at promoting them and just shows really how much you have on your plate. I guess about one out of every three DEP employees works in your area. Yes. And uh, it, it does such important work and does it so well. So thank you so much for taking time out to be with us today. Pleasure to be here. Thank you so All much. Right. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Discover DEP. If you have comments on the podcast or ideas for future podcast topics, please email us at podcast at dep.nj.gov. Enjoy the rest of your day.